theyeshiva.net. Okay, so we're holding page 139 in our Maimer of We discussed in the previous shiurim how the day begins always with Maida Ani Lefanecha, Melechai Vekayam, Shehechazarta Bi. Nishmasi bechem l'rabba munasacha. Those are the first words a Jew says when she or he opens their eyes and they wake up to a new dawn, a new beginning, a nayetog, a new day. The first words are moida, moida nilafanecha. And though it said, even before Natila Sidayim, before we wash our hands, we don't mention Hashem's name in Maidani because this is before one washed their hands and there's still some form of tumma, spiritual impurity on the tip of the fingers. So therefore we avoid to say Hashem's name on one level. And yet on a deeper level, Maida'ani represents a essential connection, the innate and intrinsic relationship that transcends names, both in the person and in Hashem. Maida'ani, I, the very I, Lefanecha, the very you, that which is beyond names, beyond oisius, beyond descriptions of the Rabbi Nishalaylam. It's etzem be'etzem. Every Jew, even when there's tumah on his hands or her hands, the tumah can't affect the moida'ani of the person. The moida'ani remains wholesome. The etzem hanefesh, the core of the soul, always remains pristine and pure, and therefore no tumah in the world can affect the maida'ani of a Jew. Alpin nigla, according to halacha, we don't say Hashem's name maida'ani because it's a place of tumah. It's a time of tumah. I'm still with tumah. Alpipnimius, that very same halachic reality is seen from a deeper perspective Tumah cannot affect this place within the person. And we don't say Hashem's name because it's essence to essence beyond names, which is why Tumah can't affect it. Because a person could be missing one thing or missing another thing. I could be lacking in this area or that area. I could be wanting in this dimension or that dimension. But my Maida'ani, your Maida'ani, it remains wholesome. And it begins with the word maida, and that, that's the key word. Maida is gratitude, and maida is haida. It's that general commitment and submission and relationship. Then starts brachas, and brachas is already compartmentalization. Brachas is identifying the gift, the gifts and the functions and the purpose and the mechanism, the purposes and the mechanism of the various distinct extraordinary faculties, resources, abilities that the human organism has and the human individual has when he or she wakes up in the morning, beginning with the perception, continuing according to the Nusach of the Arizal. I know there's other orders. Continuing with the gift of vision, the gift of eyesight. Continuing with Matira Surim, the ability that I can flex my muscles, and Zaykov Kfufim, I could stand up. There's balance, I could stand. There are feet to hold, legs and feet to hold me up. Malbish Arumim, 
the fact that I have clothes to put on, the fact that as a result of sleep, there's a rejuvenation. And so you continue throughout the brachas, I have a ground, ground to walk on. God spreads the earth over the water. Two-thirds of our planet is water. Could have been three-thirds of our Our whole planet could have been water, right? Only two-thirds of the planet are water. He orchestrates my footsteps, the footsteps of a human being, the ability to move and the ability to walk, the ability for our system to function that way. And so we continue, and each one is really a meditation. Berches HaShachar ought to be said with reflection, with uh, consciousness, with pro- pro- profound focus that a person should really be able to tune in to the function of each kayach and the gratitude for each kayach. And this goes through all of the brachas until the conclusion of the brachas. We make a bracha for the words of Torah and then we move on in davening. Then starts davening itself, which always starts with And here again, the opening word is Haidu. What is Haidu? Haidu again is Haida'a. Haida'a means like when I'm to you, in addition to gratitude, the idea of a general relationship, a general submission, a general surrender. This is the Sula Mutz of Arts of Eresha Magia Hashemaima. The bladder that starts on the ground and its head reaches heaven as explained, it's still before there's hasagad, there's real comprehension, but there is haidu, there is, I acknowledge, I acknowledge that there's a ribayna shalaylam in the world, I acknowledge haidu la'ashem, kiru vishmoi, haidiyu va'amim aliloisav, shiru loy zamru loy sichu b'cholnif loisav. When I was a bach in yeshiva, I had a, a classmate. He was actually one class lower than me, but we used to schmooze a lot. And uh, he was a very, um, still is a wise, a wise young man. Still is a wise young man. Extremely spiritually in tuned. Very spiritually in tuned. And uh, we would learn chesidus, and he got it. He just it resonated. You know, he really understood. So once we were sitting in the base medrash at night, was learning. It was already late at night. And uh, I don't know if it was 12 or 1, it was quite late. And uh, we were having a little uh, little schmooze, different topics, different themes. And uh, so somebody mentioned, you know, it's time to go to sleep, so we came to wake up in the morning. So this boy, his name is Mendel. He was a 17 or 18 at the time. He said something, and I could still, I, I still remember it. It left such an impact. He turns to me, he says, I can't wait till tomorrow morning. I can't wait till tomorrow morning. So I didn't know what's happening tomorrow morning, you know. He's going, going on a trip to Disney World. His father's taking him out of yeshiva for a few weeks. What, what's going to happen tomorrow morning? He's getting a check in the mail. He's getting a gift. What's going to happen tomorrow morning? I said, what's happening tomorrow morning? So he says, with simplicity, he says, I can't wait to be able to say tomorrow morning, 
Hoidu Lashem Kiru Bishmei, Hoidu Yuva Amim Alilaisov. I can't wait. And it was very, it was simple, it was sincere, it was authentic. In other words, it was a relationship. And the relationship meant so much for him. It was a gift. It was an opportunity to be able just to pour out his soul, like Yirmiya says in Eicha, Shifchi Chamayim Libech Noichech Pnei Hashem. Right? Shifchi Chamayim Chamayim Libech. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the face of Hashem. So that begins with davening, with Hoidu Hashem Kiru Bishmayadev Amalilaisov. And the word is Hoidu. Hoidu means, as he says, Hoidu'aklalis. The relationship is just general. It's, I want to connect. Then starts to say their next step, Psukhida Zimra, which usually starts by Baruch Shamar. And I know in Ashkenaz, Baruch Shamar comes before Hoidu, and Hoidu comes after Baruch Shamar. Everybody is equal. Both Neschayas are equal. Reb Meir Shapiro, the Lublinerov, the founder of Dafayoimi, once said, Nusach Svard, Nusach Ashkenaz, Hoidu before Baruch Shama, Baruch Shama after Hoidu. He says, the main thing is that by Yehichvoid Hashem Leoilam, they're on the same page. <laughs> this was a very deep and sharp word. In other words, Yunusach is this, Yunusach is this. The main thing is when it comes to Yehich Void Hashem Le'olam, be on the same page. <clears throat> Classic word of Rameir Shapira. Zechrona Levrach, the Rav of Lublin. So then starts Psukkah de Zimra. What's Psukkah de Zimra, he says? Zimra is a song. It's a nigan. A nigan I may not understand but it moves me, it touches me, it inspires me. He says, Psukkah de Zimra, there is Hispilus. It's a in Shulchan Aruch. It says in Shulchan Aruch, the halacha, when a Jew says Psukkah de Zimra, you should count the words like pearls, like you're counting pearls. The words should be counted like pearls. He says, Haidu, there's no Hasaga, there's no Hispilus. Haidu, there may not even be any emotion. Frankly, in the state of Hoidu, a person may not be in the mood. They may not be moved. They're just moided that this is the right thing. And this is such a critical idea in life. Even though I'm not feeling, and I'm not excited, and I certainly don't understand. I don't get it. But it's fine. Amaida. Hoidu. Amaida. That's fine. You know when you can acknowledge that this is the right thing? That this is the right value to pursue? Even if your body is not feeling the sensation. Classic example for this would be, somebody says, I'm really not in the mood, I'm not feeling like going to my sister's, my sister's making a wedding in Montreal, or my close friend is making a wedding in Montreal, or my nephew, or my great-nephew, and I'm not really feeling up to it. So I'm not talking about corona, I'm talking, you know, I'm just not feeling up to it. I'm not excited about it. And then two minutes later they say, but I feel that I should go. You just said that you don't feel like you should go. But I feel like I should go. No, it's not a contradiction. There's feel and there's feel. I'm not feeling up to it means my body is not excited about it. I'm not feeling the sensation of excitement. 
When I say, I feel like I should go because my sister's making a wedding, it's not a feeling in terms of an emotional and emotional experience and a sensation. I feel means it's a value. I, I understand, I acknowledge the fact that this is the right thing, even if I'm tired, even if I'm not in the mood. My family is dear to me. I want to hold on to a, I want to hold on to my sister. I want a good relationship with my sister, with my friend. However, you formulate the argument in your mind. But this is a value that's important to me. I feel like I should have to. Do I feel it? I don't feel it. But I feel like I should. That's hoidu. Hoidu means amoida. Moida means I acknowledge. I may not feel. I may not understand. I just woke up. Fine. It's before the coffee. <laughs> but hoidu, amoida, I acknowledge that this is the right thing. And that's powerful. And that's how you begin davening. Hoidu l'ashem. And this is important because it's a ladder. And where, is, where does a ladder begin? On the bottom. You don't begin the ladder on the top. Let's remember the difference between Torah and Tefillah. Torah Hashem speaks to me. It's always divine. Tefillah is I speak to God. It's always about me. Meaning it's about where I am, wherever I am. And when I climb that ladder, I always start on the bottom. So wherever I am in life, I start off. Then starts the nigan of davening, Pesukah de Zimra. And what's Pesukah de Zimra? Pesukah de Zimra, he says, is his spilus. Pesukah de Zimra is, you allow yourself to be moved. I may not understand. And as the Maimer explained at length, that Pesukah de Zimra focuses on the process that we call yesh the story of natural creation, the story of nature, that's what most of Sukkot Zimra focuses on. If you go through Baruch Shom Avaya Olam, and then all the Mizmarim, Yehichvayid and Ashrei, and all of the Halalukas, till the end of the Halalukas, which is basically the last chapters of Sefer Tehillim, it focuses in one way or another on the miracle which we call creation, the miracle of existence, the miracle of the birth of the cosmos, and its perpetual dynamic existence, and there's nothing in nature that is short of this miracle. And we've mentioned this many times, you can analyze anything, you can analyze a tree and a shrub and a bush and a blade of grass, you can analyze an ant and a bee, I have a beehive that uh, they created a little while ago on the foot, on the steps going up to my house, there's a little crevice in one of the holes, and they created a huge beehive, I can't see the beehive, but whenever I go in and out of the house, I see bees coming home and bees going out and bees coming home and bees coming out and bees coming home. And how they exactly figure out after they go miles away to find their nectar and they come home and they boom, they right away know right in that hole, that's my home. <laughs> and I saw the first day when they created the bee, there was one bee who got confused for a few seconds. He went to another step going up, but then around three seconds later he found his real house and he went back in. There's nothing that you could not analyze and see the miracle of Yeshmeyayin. Something from nothing. Something from nothing. And he said, do I really understand Yeshmeyayin? If I would understand Yeshmeyayin, I would cease to be. And I explained at length this last year what that means I would cease to be. If the I would have permission to be able to see the ayin in everything, reality would be a very different reality. I would experience myself and all of reality in different ways. So it may not produce hasaga, real comprehension, but it, it produces hispilus, which is excitement, emotion. Now let's continue inside. Page 139, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. 
והפעולה דפסיקה דזימנה בנפש היא בדרך חקיקה מבחוץ. היינו שאין זה חקיקה מבפנים, משום שאין בזה השגה. אבל מקום מוקם מצד האספיילוס, הרי זה פועל חקיקה מבחוץ. חקיקה means engraving. There's חקיקה מבפנים, and there's חקיקה מבחוץ. What do we mean? So the example for this would be, when you have a silversmith, or a goldsmith, or a blacksmith, a potter, preparing, creating a vessel, a keli, a utensil. There is working on its exterior surface, what you would call engraving it on the outside, whether you're engraving it with letters, or you're engraving it with designs, you're engraving it with flowers, or other intricate, elegant designs to make it look rich. Or you're simply engraving its shape, various shapes that you want, on the outside. And then there's chakikim ibifnim, which is working on the inner surface, on the interior surface of the keli, that's actually going to be used for whatever substance you're going to be placing in that utensil. The bebachut, the outer surface, is just for me to hold on to it, to grab it. If it has a handle, I may only hold on to the handle, so it's just the outside. The bifnim is actually the most important, because that is the material and the space that becomes the container for whatever you want to put into that keli. Whether it's a wooden vessel, whether it's an earthenware vessel, whether it's a metal vessel, very different types of metal vessels, or whatever other type of material, fabric, or fabric this vessel is. So there's chakike mebachutz and chakike mebifne. So he says, the psuke de zimre is chakike mebachutz. It's engraving the person from the outside, even if not from the inside. There's no hasaga, there's no full comprehension, but because of his spilus, because there is emotion, so it's poyal chakikim abachotz. V'zeo ha-pirush ha-beiz de-psuka de-zimra. This is the second translation of the words psuke de-zimra. First translation is verses of song. Zimra like zmirois, zemer, lezamer, it's good to thank you, and it's good to sing. Lahoidois is hoidu, and lezamer is psukadazimr. You sing, it's a nigin, psukadazimr. But then there's another interpretation. The word zimra also comes from another word. Some of you finished Maseches Shabbos, so you remember the word zoimer. Shumiloshan lezamer aritzim. Expression in Yeshaya Hanavi. Lezamer Aritzim means to uproot the weeds in every plant that grows, whether vegetables or trees or various plants. There's always the weeds that you have to uproot because they are obstructing the growth and the success of the plant. So you have to make sure to come to your garden, to your farm, to your orchard and pull out, uproot all those growths that are blocking the ordinary growth of the tree, the normal and successful growth of the tree, and that's called zoimer. Zoimer is a form of harvesting. You actually cut those things, you cut off those plant, those parts of the plant that are unnecessary and are harmful. Whether it's thorns, weeds, etc., they don't constitute a protection, but they just become an obstruction, an obstacle. 
So the Psukhi de Zimra means, Zimra means to cut, to harvest, to remove the weeds. What's the connection to Psukhi de Zimra? So it says, To cut off, to cut down the thickets and the thorns of the animal soul. Just as literally in a vineyard, you may have a lot of thorns and you want to cut them and harvest them because in one way or another they may be damaging the vineyard. And that's what Zoymer means. We have in Parshas Bahar, remember? Sheishonim Tizra Sadecha, Sheishonim Tizmar Karmecha. Six years you should sow your field, and six years you should prune your vineyard. The act of pruning is called Zoymer. Psuki de Zimra is Psukim that allow you to prune. What are you pruning? So he says there's the Koitzim. There are the thorns in your vineyard or other weeds that you have to cut. All the other thickets or weeds, he's called chuchim and kaitzim. So just as in a literal vineyard you have these wild plants that you have to get rid of, the same is true, she'en behem taivavigashmak, in these wild plants or this wild growth or these weeds or thicket or thorns. There's no taiva, there's no gashmak, they're not delicious. They're not edible. They're not going to promote your health. They don't give you delight. They just obstruct the vineyard. What do you care if they're there? Because they need nurture from the ground. And they are like parasites. They abduct the nurture. Remember, every plant must have the soil and the water that satiates the soil. The roots spread out in order to get all of the nutrition they need from the water that drenches the earth. So all these weeds are yoinik. They receive nurture from the lechluchis, from the moist, from the wetness, from the water that's in the ground. So two things. First of all, sometimes the plant is not getting enough nutrients and allocating it to the weeds and the thorns is taking away precious resources that the tree itself needs or the plant itself needs. And besides that, by taking the slachluchis, they can ruin the field or they can ruin the vineyard. Either because of how they're situated or because of their growth or because of their position or because of the other reasons that they ruin the sada and the kenem. The Jewish people are called Hashem's vineyard. Kerem Hashem Tzvakais Shleim Hamelech says in Shirashirim Echazulanu Shuulim 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 Ktanim Right? Grab the little foxes that are ruining and are harming the Kerem Hashem Tzvakais the little foxes that come in and eat up all of the precious fruits in God's vineyard. So he says God's vineyard, which is Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish people, can also have thorns. And Psukkah de Zimra is the time when I prune Hashem's vineyard. They include, this vineyard, the thorns include words that are undivine, that are not divine. means words that are not divine. Like mockery, or just 
idle chatter, worthless talk. Shein bem shum geshmak. They don't really have a geshmak in them. They have no substance. They're like weeds. They're like uh, thorns. I can't eat them. There's no delight. It's not like the fruit. It's not like the grape. They're there. They take out energy. They nurture from the ground like the tree itself. They receive nurture. And therefore the resources get allocated into these thorns. And I want to, therefore I want to prune the vineyard. I want to get rid of them. What is this in Avaidah Hashem? What is this in a person's life? There's all types, he says, of conversations that don't really have a geschmack. They don't have a true delight and substance. But they're thorns. They obstruct the animal soul, not allowing it from feeling and perceiving something that's divine. It also impacts the divine soul that it shouldn't be able to ascend the way it would have ascended and and returned back to its source and become one with its source, if not for the thorns. The ha'olam chayishvim, the world thinks, the kashem adam edabed vodim betelim vilitzanas beligashmak enzimaniel nefesh alikis. The world thinks. That when a person speaks dvarim betalim, dvarim betalim is idle chatter, or words of mockery, fun, scoffing, without a geshmak, geshmak here is, I think, a mistake, right? The shin has to be before the mem. Beli geshmak, there's no real substance here. They don't think that it's serious, that it's a serious uh, thorn that obstructs the divine soul. The bishlem in yon People can understand that when you have various addictions and strong cravings, every taiva which adds more life to my animal consciousness also adds more concealment to my divine consciousness. You hear the words? Every taiva which adds more life to my animal consciousness adds concealment to my godly consciousness. But if it's time, you're talking idle chatter, there's no big taiva, there's no big addiction. You're having conversations that are worthless. It doesn't add life to the animal soul, there's no big life in it. It's just you don't know what to do, you're schmoozing. So it doesn't seem so relevant to the godly soul. But it's not true, the truth is, these types of conversations are thorns. The divine soul gets caught up in them, just like in a thorn. You have Avram Avinu saw the ram, Nechaz Basvach, right? The ram was caught up in the thicket, its horns, the horns of the ram was caught up in the thicket, it was entangled. That's what Misubach, Misubach means you're confused, you're entangled. Tizbuchim, in modern Hebrew, Tizbuchim means Somebody who's uncertain, there's a lot of confusion. So he says, when you have thorns, what happens? You get stuck in them, you get entangled. He says, What happens when I get caught in the thicket? I can't emancipate myself. Until I don't extricate myself from the thorns, I can't fly, I can't yearn. Imagine a bird, you ever saw the image of a bird getting stuck on bog wires? Or a bird getting stuck in thorns or an animal, gets stuck in a net, and it tries, it tries hard to run away, to set itself free, 
but it can't. The more it runs, the more it gets entangled and wrapped around by these thorns and these thickets. Nechaz basvach bekarnav. This is all a metaphor of what happens in a person's life. This is where pruning comes in. The vineyard is a beautiful vineyard. The orchard is an extraordinary orchard. Basi lagani achaisi kala. It's a beautiful vineyard. But Shleim HaMelech says, you have all these thorns and you have all the foxes, whatever they are, that come. Hamachablim karim Hashem tzvayis. And as a result of that, what happens? Both the animal soul is affected and the divine soul is affected. The animal soul is affected in the sense that it becomes more dense, more brute, and more insensitive to be able to comprehend and feel something divine. There's something called antennas that allow you to experience truth. But in order to allow my my antennas, for my antennas to experience truth, they have to be cleaned. If they're full of filth and dirt, you know, imagine an air conditioner, you have to take out the insides and clean it up from the dirt because it does not allow the air conditioner to filter the air and produce clean air. Or just like in the radio channel, you're trying to get the right station, but there's static in between. And therefore, you can't hear the sounds. So the Nefesh of Bahamas is an animal soul. But the animal soul is not bad, it's just an animal soul. And I want to be able to allow it to hear its own truth, to hear its own music. But if I make it more brute and more dense and more thick, it becomes thicker and thicker, and it's not open to itself. It becomes less and less open to hear its own inner music. The second thing is the divine soul. The divine soul is always divine, but it can be trapped in the thorns, entangled. And when it's entangled, it can't emancipate itself. It can't soar, it can't fly. It's the bird that's stuck on the wires, the bog wires or the fence. Those are the koitzim that entangle me. And he said the classic example is one thinks it's only taivus. Taivus means when I have a lot of addictions that are unhealthy or cravings and I'm attached to these material cravings and I become consumed by them. So that blocks the animal soul from t- hearing and perceiving godliness and it blocks and it entangles the divine soul from soaring. But he says there's also something called words. And people, the world, he says, don't, doesn't give it significance. What's the big deal, Dvarim Betalem? People sit for two hours and talk about nothing. There was no big addiction here. It wasn't planning. It's just you talk, you sit, and you talk about nothing. We're not even talking about Dvarim Asurim. We're not talking here about words that are immoral or gossip or slandering somebody. That's for sure. He says, even Dvarim Betalem. Dvarim Betalem is just idle chatter. There's no meaning to it. There's no truth to it. Nobody is growing from it. It's not divrei Torah and it's not divrei chachma. It's not words of meaning on any level. It's dvarim betalim. Or letzanas. Letzanas is just, you know, it's just this endless cynicism and mockery and making fun. They're really words of desperation. That's what they really are. The world thinks they're nothing. The Rebbe says they're words of desperation. They're words that represent the pain of you, the pain of an empty soul. The pain of a soul that that is looking for itself. And they become just outlets to fill my time, not realizing who I am. So they take my animal soul and they make it 
further dense, more brute, more thick, so that I cannot be open to truth. Because you have to be open to truth. Truth doesn't land in your lap automatically. You have to be open to it. Open it means I have to clean myself up. I have to become transparent. I have to become translucent. I can't be filled with thorns. Besides that, they also entangle their misabech, the divine soul, that it can't, it can't free up. You'll see this after an hour of Dvarim B'Telem. And if you're sensitive, even after five minutes of Dvarim B'Telem, your soul, your soul is anxious. Because it knows this was, this was not the place to be. This was wrong. I just got stuck. I got stuck here. Now, sometimes we don't have courage. But the first step in a spiritual growth is you have to have courage to be able to be true to your principles, true to your values. I'm not here talking about Dvarim B'Telem, trying to engage another person, and therefore you're schmoozing in order to connect. That's not Dvarim B'Telem. Sometimes you need a certain conversation, maybe about some external things, in order to get to the Panimius. That's very focused. It's tuning into where the person is. That's not Dvarim B'Telem. That's actually listening to the other world, to, an in, to the inner world of the other person. Tvarim B'Tela means it's really idle, it's bottle, it's, it's, it's B'Tela meaning, it's, 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 it's bottle, it's meaningless, it's as superficial as it gets. It's interesting, he says, it's not like the world thinks that Taiva is Mela. There's a lot of people who don't think that Taivas are either harmful, but the Rebbe says, Mela, these are already people, he's talking in a Maimachsidus. The people who learn chesidus, he says, Mele, taivas, they know is a problem. But dvarim betelem, there's no geshmak. It's like thorns. Thorns don't have a geshmak. If they don't have a geshmak, yeah, although, I don't know, some people would say dvarim betelem are geshmak. But that's his point. His point is, it's not a necessarily juicy stuff that are giving you a geshmak. It's garnished. Like thorns, there's nothing to them. But they take away the water. They steal the water that has to go into the vine. They're yoinik, they're parasites, they take the lachluchis amayim, and it's not good for the vine. <laughs> this is not only true about words, this is true about thoughts. The Gemara says in Yuma Chavtes that there are thoughts of Aveda that are more damaging than the Aveda itself. The person is not doing anything wrong, it's just thoughts. But they become thorns that entangle and confuse and obstruct and trap the godly soul. And these are thoughts that can be worse than actions and worse than words. Nobody even sees them, they're in my mind. But Yerhude Aveda means sometimes I let my mind wander into places that are not healthy, even if I'm not going to act on those thoughts, and I'm not even speaking about it. But a person has to be able to be in control where my mind goes. I'm not in control of every thought that comes into my mind, but I am in control if I'm going to pursue that thought. And this could be promiscuous thoughts. I'm thinking about certain things that are inappropriate thoughts. I'm not doing anything. I'm not even talking about it. I'm not going onto the internet to pursue it. I'm just thinking about it. In a way, it's Kashem Aveda. Because it's internal. It's very internal. It has a very deep impact. And then there's other thoughts. I allow my mind to wander into thoughts of depression, of melancholy, of despair, of dejection, of insecurity, 
of narcissism. These are all natural thoughts. They come from our animal consciousness. And my animal, like my little puppy, could be very insecure and very frightened and very, very hungry all the time and always looking for food and always looking for some more fun and excitement. So the thoughts may come in, but what I do with the thoughts, that's my choice. I may see something and walk further, or I could turn around <laughs> and look at it again. That's the second time. That's called Hirudei Aveda and Kashamei Aveda. They also become thorns. When you allow your mind to wander and get consumed by these thorns, it already affects the animal soul. The animal soul is affected. It's 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 bogged down. It's bogged down. It's again the ram that is stuck. Bekarn of its horns. Its horns are stuck. The horns represent royalty, represent the Kaila Shoifer, right? The Shoifer. It becomes Nechaz Besvach. I'm completely entangled and confused. My Nefesh Alekis is not freed up. You know when your computer says there's no free space anymore, you have to free up the space. My soul is not free. It's not emancipated. Even thoughts. Then there's also the senses. We have five senses. We have our eyesight, we have our ability to hear, we have, of course, our ability to smell and touch and taste. He says the senses of seeing and hearing. This is not about thoughts, and it's not about words. It's just seeing and hearing, which, of course, produce thoughts and produce words. The Talmud Yerushalmi Brachas calls them the Sarsurim, the agents of sin. They're not sin, but they're agents. They can also be thorns. People look at certain things, or they listen to certain things. And I have to be responsible and ask myself, what am I looking at? Every website I go to, I have to ask myself, what am I looking at? Everything I listen to, whether it's a show or a conversation, I have to be responsible, what am I listening to? Where am I allocating my energy, my mental space? When I see something, it goes into me. It becomes part of me. When I hear something, it penetrates me. It goes into me. Here too, one has to look if my eyesight and my hearing is dedicated to those things that actually bring thorns into my life. And if I bring thorns into my life, I block my animal soul of perceiving its own godliness and I entangle my divine soul from having the ability to truly be spiritually and emotionally free. Even though the person says, there's no big taiva here, I'm just looking, I'm bored, I'm bored. There's no taiva. Sometimes there's a fire, there's a bren, right? I'm crazy, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm like very dedicated to it. It's just I'm bored. There's no taiva, there's no deep connection. Don't let that deceive you. They're still thorns. They obstruct the ascent of the nefeshalikis. Now we'll understand zimra. Psuki de zimra is verses of pruning. What are you pruning? In psuki de zimra, I cut off my thorns. I'm engraving, I'm engraving the person from the outside. I'm engraving myself from the outside. We'll soon see about engraving yourself from the inside, but this is engraving myself from the outside. Through allowing 
the soul to become moved by truth, to become excited by truth, to become excited by godliness. So after Hoidu, what is Hoidu? Hoidu is I don't understand, I don't feel, it's back to my marshal. I feel like I should go to my sister's wedding even though I don't feel. But I acknowledge it's a value that I have. It's an internal value that I have. I want this relationship and therefore I stand up and I start put a, I start davening and I say, Hoidu Lashem Kirubishma. Then is already the next step. What's the next step in the ladder? Psukha de Zimra. Psukha de Zimra is, you want it to allow it, you want to allow it to get to your emotions. You want to allow it to, want to allow it to move you. And that takes work. That's the meditation of Psukha de Zimra. If you say Psukha de Zimra with Kavana, you focus on the words, you focus on the meaning of the words, you apply it to your life. Sometimes it could just be one line that jumps out on you. But this is the experience of davening. This is where there's a spilus. You're already, there's an emotional charge. You're emotionally charged. There's something that moves you. Ayel tell me you're doing psukha de zimri your whole life and you're not emotionally charged. You're bored. You're bored out of your wits. You're just waiting for it to finish. That's because it needs work. This is not, this doesn't happen automatic. But if you really take the time and the mental space to focus, and I should say, you know, the corona, the pandemic of the corona has been challenging for everybody in one way or another. But every crisis, and of course, brought a lot of devastation and, and tragedy and illness, Rahman al But like every crisis, there's also, a, there are opportunities for growth. And one of the opportunities for growth in this whole thing is the concept of davening. Very good Jews are brothers and sisters who are makbet hadavim with a minion, which is amazing, tefillah b'tzibur is a gavaldika thing. But in that process, we can also lose something. And that is lose the personal flavor of davening. The focus is, I just have to be catch up to the minion. The minion could be going very fast, and I came five minutes late, but I catch up to the minion, I daven with the minion, and I feel good. But that's not the core of davening. Tefillah b'tzibur is the icing on the cake. The core of davening is a relationship. People don't know that. Davening with the minion is the icing on the cake. It's, it's a beautiful icing. It's incredible. But tefillah b'tzibur is that the tefillah is not just yourself. It's with the tzibur. So it has the kayach tzibur as explained in many Maimari Chazal, the power of tefillah b'tzibur. But sometimes the person loses the big picture. You know, you, you, you get focused on the tree and you don't see the forest. And there was an opportunity now, and I think many people actually seized the opportunity, actually to be able to discover a different type of davening. Which is not easy, by the way, because in a way, the minion, you know, you just, you hop on the train and you let the conductor go, you know, you get onto the plane and let the pilot do the rest. But I'm just sitting, you know, I'm just sitting in my seat and watching the movie or eating, <laughs> or eating sushi on the plane. <laughs> when you daven yourself, you gotta be the pilot. You don't have a shliach tzibur. You have to be the pilot. The Tzamech Tzedek had a son. His name was Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok of Avruch. Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok of Avruch. And uh, after his marriage, so uh, before he got married, his future father-in-law, who was a holy Jew, says that uh, there's a condition. The condition is, if you want my daughter, you have to daven with a minion every day, tefillah b'tzibur. 
because he knew that among Chabad Chassidim, they used to daven very, many of them used to daven very long, Tfilah Barichis. So even though they would come to Shul, and they would answer Baruchu and Kedusha, but when they started, they they did not catch up with the minions, so they often, the later parts of davening, they daven themselves. So he made a deal with him, that he has to daven B'tzibur, he has to daven with a minion. Okay. So after the wedding, it was Sheva Brachas. So the first day of Sheva, the first day of Sheva Brachas, they were waiting to eat breakfast. They finished davening with a minion and they went home. They were waiting to eat breakfast with the chasen. Maybe they would have even been on Sheva Brachas. He's not there. The son of the Tzamech Tzedek, he's not there. So the father-in-law goes to look for him and he sees, as it's the daven, he's davening and davening. He used to daven for hours. Every day for hours. Finally, he finishes davening before close to midday. He started early, but it took him a long time. And he comes home. His father-in-law says, I don't understand. We made a deal. How could you be so deceptive? You agreed to the deal. You should have said you're not going to agree with the deal. You, you should have said you're not, a, you're not ready to agree. We were all waiting for you. You said you can daven with a minion. He said, no. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was waiting to daven with a minion. That's what... You were waiting when there was a minion. He says, no, it took me so long because I was waiting to find my minion. He says, what are you talking about? There was a big minion early in the morning. So he said, I was waiting to find my minion. I was waiting to find my Eser Koyches HaNefesh. I was waiting to find the ten faculties of my soul to bring them all together so that we should be able to daven with a minion. Father-in-law realized that... uh, he got a fine son-in-law. What does this mean? This is not chas v'shalom v'chas v'shalom to minimize. He wasn't minimizing the gewaldic of Tfilah B'tzibur and nobody should take it that way. But he was explaining, let's remember, there's the core of Tfilah, the essence of Tfilah. What's the essence of Tfilah? Tfilah B'tzibur. Tzibur means gathering. Tzavo, right? Eser Tziburin. Tzibur means to gather. The Chidah says, Tzibur, it's Tzadikim, Beninim, Urashayim. So there's a Tzibur, I bring ten Jews together and we daven, which is incredibly powerful. But there's a f- deeper Tzibur. Or I should say, there's an inner Tzibur. I'm no deeper, an inner Tzibur. I bring together the, my own minion. I bring together Chachma, Bine, Das, Chesed, Gvura, Teferes, Netzach, Hoyd, Yisoyed, Malchus. It's also a minion. That minion is not so easy. He says, that minion took me a lot of hours to get them together. The physical minion, they say, hey, come, come, atzenta, atzenta, atzenta. But now go tell your soul, atzenta, atzenta, go, go tell your nefesh of Bahamas, atzenta. Not now. To bring together your esekoiches and nefesh, this is, uh, this is an amen. So people now recently have been searching for this and somewhat discovering it a little bit. The art of prayer, the art of davening. It's not easy because, you know, there's a lot of programming that you have to undo. You know, a lot of viruses in the computer you have to undo. You're doing something for many, many years and it's boring and irrelevant and insignificant and inconsequential. You have to reprogram yourself. So this is why this material is so crucial and so important to our lives to be able to understand the processes of the ladder, the process of the ladder. So we start off with Haidu and we go to Pesukah de Zimra. Zimra means song and Zimra means pruning. Because the first step in pruning the thorns in my life is I have to get through to the thorns to get to my vineyard. What's the vineyard? The vineyard is 
the beautiful fruits at the core of every single person's neshama, you have a divine soul. And even the animal soul really wants to be aligned with the divine soul. But I have to work through the thorns. That's what engraving from the outside is. I have to remove the outer static, the outer obstacles that want to interfere. And that's what the second shot of Zimran. How do I do that? You don't fight them head on. That's not what you do. You have to find the excitement in Elikus. You have to find the emes in Elikus that it should touch me. The moment it touches me, the moment it touches me, then I realize that the thorns are not the place where I want to hang out. You don't want to live in thorns, you want to live in the vineyard. Let's take some questions. Okay, Reb Aden. I am growing Pachasandran, part of my yard. It's a plant, a low ground cover that spreads out. The roots go under the ground sideways, about one or two inches under the ground. They seek out vacant, healthy dirt areas. The roots extend out to those areas and then pop up new buds for new plants up through the dirt to the ear and sunshine. The roots love water. They suck it up as spouts and shoots and plants start to do. I weed in between the, how do you pronounce this? The Pachisandra. I see almost immediately a change in this small ecosystem. Beautiful. The Pachisandra seems to come more to life, standing a bit more tall after you weed, after you weed in between the plants. Space is opened up under the soil for the roots to spread out from the patch and get more water. If I water it afterwards, especially with a good 30 Minutes soak from a sprinkler. The change seen later the next day is beautiful. One can see little new buds of plants beginning many inches from the original plant popping up through the soil in the weeded vacant area. Blend of water and sun has a huge effect. Intermittent rain every few days helps tremendously with sunny days in between. Eat sprouts. This is another muscle for what we are describing here in the Mimer. Yes, indeed. Beautifully, beautifully said. And the same is true in each of our lives. Sometimes we only want to focus on the plants itself, but the weeding is an important part of it. The pruning and the weeding, and that's psuke de zimre. The word zimre is to prune, to cut the weed so that the plant, the plant go, go, grows better. My question. With all respect to the chassan in the story, why did it take him so long to get to that place of being able to join the minion? His shver didn't have to. Others didn't have to. They were also great people. So there's a lot of different aspects of one's strengths and weaknesses to be explored. He obviously had unique strengths. Well, I'll tell you, he grew up by the Tzemach Tzedek, the grandson of the Balatanya. And the derech of Chabad, as you know, is one of Avayda Pnimis, which means very much the idea of internalizing everything. Speak to your animal soul, it should become one with you, part of you. Other Hasidic, uh, other Hasidic cultures and groups had a little bit of a different emphasis. The focus was more on emuna and the tzaddik and relying on the tzaddik and, and trust and a lot of camaraderie. And uh, it was an, another incredible path in Avaidus Hashem. So therefore their davening was sometimes just of a di- in, in a different style. But the system, the system that he was used to was one which was very much about, you know, conversations with your animal soul. I mean, you see the difference in the literature of Hasidus, right? The other colleagues of the Balhatanya 
who were great and holy souls, they'll have a Sefer or two Svarim with short insights on the Parsha that are fiery and inspirational. The Balatanya has long, elaborate Maimorim where he explains concepts at length. And often people wonder, like, what, what what's the point of this? Like, you know, just get to the point, give me a good Vart. But Balatanya felt that there is inspiration and there's inspiration. There's inspiration that is, you know, a, a, a fire bolt, a, a fire explosion to wake up the neshama and, and, and get it excited. And then, but he felt that the real, real inspiration is one that becomes internalized in the human system and you have to understand it and comprehend it to the best of your ability so that your animal soul really gets it and be able to cultivate a holistic approach on, on, on all of the world and on all of creation. So this was somewhat of a different emphasis even within Hasidus and that's why they had these different uh, customs and traditions. Next uh, Next question. What's wrong with empty words? Those who have the perspective from up there while still down here realize that every moment of life, a free choice down here is precious. Avram Avinu was Baba Yamim. He came with all of his days, like we learned in the other Maimer. His days were filled wall to wall with only good, no waste of time, no thorns. Those on the death row, on their deathbed, very elderly know this as well. Tzaddikim know this and therefore they don't waste their time or energy. That's, is that perhaps another element with Dvarim Betelim, with wrong, with, with idle chatter? Yeah, it's certainly part of it. The wasting the sources that were allocated to you. You were given days. You were given moments. You were given seconds. You were given milliseconds. And you were given resources. And the Gemara says in Shabbos, Hashem created nothing in vain. In other words, everything that was given to me is purposeful. So one moment that I waste my time and I squander my energy is actually something that is 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 difficult for the soul. Now, people take this often as uh, in a way of guilt and anxiety and stress. It's not about guilt and anxiety. It's it's recognizing who you are and what your potential is and living a life that's true to yourself. This is not about anxiety. Oh, I'm not going to waste my time. People go crazy from this, like, I, I have to chill out. What's wrong with chilling out? I just want to chill out. I want to chill, chill, chill. They love the word chill as though it's like a holy grail. Uh, I don't know what chilling out means. Chilling out means becoming closer to yourself and, and rejuvenating yourself so that you should be able to live a true and authentic life. Wonderful. If chilling out just means numbing your pain and ignoring your truth, so then it's, uh, like he says, it, it's dvarim betalem. It becomes, uh, it becomes foolish. So psukkah de zimra is this focus of uh, pruning out all the weeds so that the plants, the vineyard can grow in the most beautiful and delicious fashion as we will still continue to explain and explore in the next year and continue in the steps of davening, climbing this ladder that begins on the ground and its head reaches up to heaven. We still have to explain well the difference of chakikim ibechutz, chakikim ibifnim, engraving from the outside, engraving from the inside, as we will be Ezer Hashem continue to explore the Maimer. I put him with my speakers, there was static. So I thought you were. You were muted, but really the problem was in my recept, in my yeah, res, yeah, in my yeah, resume. Yeah. Which, yeah. which, by the way, the Baal Shem Tov says everything is a lesson in life, right? Sometimes we think the other person is mute, but, 
But really, really, I just don't have, I don't have the keli to listen to it. The communication is there, I'm just not hearing it. So we often blame the other person. If you would only communicate and you would only speak up, everything would be good. I've been speaking, you're just not listening. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. The Hassan, you were, the Rebbe was telling the story. You, I think the Rebbe mentioned that he was trying to get his ten midos to come together. Yeah. He told his father-in-law, he told his father-in-law, I was waiting for a minion. He said, we said, you said you're going to die with a minion. He said, I was waiting for a minion. He said, what were you waiting for? There was a minion early in the morning. He says, no, no, I was waiting for my inner minion to come. I needed all ten of my soul's faculties to join davening. I couldn't daven without all of them there. In other words, there's a minion and there's a minion. I shared this story once with the late Elie, Elie Wiesel. You remember Professor Elie Wiesel, the famous Nobel Prize laureate, Holocaust survivor. Uh, and he came from a very Hasidic uh, lineage, Vizhnitz, Vizhnitz. He was born in Siget, in Siget. And he was in Auschwitz, he was in Buchenwald. And uh, so I was once talking to him. We were at an event, I think, in the yard set of my father, and he told me that he has a uh, a summer home in Connecticut. I forgot the city in Connecticut. And he started to lament that there's no shul over there. And he can't daven, he used to go Shabbos to shul. And he said, I can't go to shul, I can't daven with a minion, not Shabbos and not on the weekdays and... He was lamenting. So I told him this story. <laughs> I said, okay, so maybe you have to try to daven with another minion. Maybe you should daven with all your ten kaiches of the soul. He really loved it because he had a chassidish and a shama. You know, he wrote a book called Souls on Fire about uh, the Magad of Mizrich and his students, Souls on Fire. So he, uh, he really liked it. So whoever has to go daven now, just make sure to have a, a minion. An internal minion. Okay, Chavra. God bless. Likewise. Psurus Tavis. For sure, for sure. And that's and that's not Dvarim Betalem, meaning that's not Dvarim Betalem because that engages and engages the people. Speaking their language to make them feel comfortable is essential to a relationship and to building trust. Because without trust, we can't move on. Right. So, the, so, so sometimes we have to use language that may be perceived by some in, you know, in a more, uh, let's put it, in a more profane way, but it's a stepping stone for trust and relationship. And you know where we see it? We see it in Parsha Shlach with the spies, Right. Um, Rashi tells us that the way Kalev got the Jews to be quiet and listen to him is, he said, is this the only thing that the son of Amram did to us? So they thought he's going to start speaking disparagingly about Moshe Rabbeinu. And he said, oh, he split the sea and he gave us the man. <laughs> you understand? He, he, you know, fight fire with fire. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.